0: Previously on The Investigation Continues.
1: We had these shopping malls. It was a place where teenagers would hang out.
0: These were two girls together, two sisters, who had just disappeared. He was staring at them and she said, you know, I knew there was something wrong with him and I knew
1: he was a creep. A nice looking, well-dressed, gray-haired, gentleman appearing type of fellow.
0: Sheila and Catherine Lyon had walked from their home to Wheaton Plaza Mall during Easter vacation of 1975. They did some window shopping and had slices of pizza. They never returned home. The disappearance of the 12 and 10-year-old daughters of a popular local radio broadcaster terrorized the nation's capital and frustrated investigators who spent almost 40 years looking for answers. Later this year, a man goes on trial for the murders of the Lion Sisters, but their bodies still have never been found. I'm Neil Augenstein. This is The Investigation Continues, an investigative podcast from WTOP. We're looking at the disappearance of the Lion Sisters, a we'll look at the clues that gave police hope and the opportunities that they missed the long unsolved disappearance that changed the way people live. Almost two weeks after Sheila and Catherine Lyon disappeared from Wheaton Plaza in Montgomery County, Maryland, police got a solid lead. It happened here in Manassas, Virginia, at the intersection of Grant Avenue and Center Street. An IBM employee named Marshall Dietz was on his way to work that morning. He pulled up at the stoplight. A station wagon was to his left. In the back of the station wagon, he says he saw a little girl, blonde, with gold, round metal glasses and blue eyes, bound and gagged. He told police he recognized her. It was 12-year-old Sheila Lyon. The witness told police the driver resembled the man shown in the police composite sketch. He said the car was a 1968 beige Ford station wagon with Maryland tags. The license plate was bent, so he could only see the first four letters and numbers. He tried to follow the car, but the driver realized it and sped away. Were the Lion Sisters still alive? That night, after the car description and partial plate were released, members of the public helped in the search for the Lion Girls. Truckers who heard the lookout on CB radio forced beige station wagons to the side of the road and did their own searches. Armed citizens in a car chased one station wagon near a campground at Burke Lake. But the girls weren't found that night. Or the next day or the next. In my life, if there ever was a profile in Courage, it was the fact that John came back to the radio. Chris Core and Tom Gager worked with John Lyon at WMAL. At some point, he wanted to come back to work, and he did. And I think we all sort of held our breath, wondering how on earth is he going to be able to do this? Because the type of show that he did and the type of host that he was easygoing laid-back comfortable guy who's just gone through hell we didn't talk about the girls we did maintain uh, an aura of distance i guess
1: the story seemed to stick around for decades it would appear on the news from time to time maybe they would have a lead or maybe just report on the anniversary of the disappearance
0: and it really frightened my mother if we were shopping and she lost track of me her panic was at a much higher level she held us a lot closer after that and for years i just remember her saying i wonder whatever happened to those poor girls
1: in the mid-80s it became known there was a gent locked up convicted of uh, child sex crimes down in North Carolina.
0: Reporter Gary Reels. In March of 1987, 12 years after Sheila and Kate Lyon disappeared, police got their most promising lead.
1: Fred Coffee had spent several years in the Navy, and he was in the early generation of computer wizardry. And he left the Navy early in 1975. And he moved to Montgomery County in March of 1975, where he took up a position with Vitro Labs there at uh, Aspen Hill and uh, George Avenue. At the time of the lion disappearance on March 25th, 75, Fred Coffey had just begun working, settling into his new position at Vitro Labs and his new life in Montgomery County. Of course, he does pretty remarkably resemble the composite sketch of the tape recorder man. Fast forward to August of 1975. Kathy Beatty was found brutally beaten and sexually assaulted in a wooded area behind the 7-Eleven, right across George Avenue from Vitro Labs. When Kathy Beatty was found, she was still alive she died a couple of days later. But the key point, Neil, is that when she was found she was still alive. The news reports came out that a young girl was found beaten, critically injured, sexually assaulted, and right at that time Fred Coffey left his job and moved out of the area. All he knew is the news that the girl was still alive. He left, and he never returned. He moved out of the area and ended up down in North Carolina and the western tip of Virginia. And that is where youngsters ended up being kidnapped, murdered, sexually assaulted. In the 1980s, police up and down the mid-Atlantic and the Eastern Seaboard investigating open cases, including Montgomery County detectives with the Lions case, are comparing notes. Let's track this known pedophile, murderer, serial killer, Fred Coffey, and see where he has been, blinking neon. My God, he was in Aspen Hill, March of 1975. And my God, look at him and look at the composite sketch. They were very, very keenly interested in talking with Fred Coffey. The 41-year-old is now doing time at the Mecklenburg Prison in Charlotte, North Carolina, serving a 50-year sentence for child molestation. He is currently awaiting trial for the murder of a youngster in North Carolina, and according to police, he may be a suspect in three to four other child murders in North Carolina and Virginia. Coffey is also under investigation for the rape and murder of 15-year-old Kathy Beatty, whose body was found in 1975 in a wooded area behind a 7-Eleven across the street from the Vitro complex. Police believe that Coffey stayed at the Holiday Motel in Gaithersburg when he lived in the area. They are hoping phone calls will fill in the blanks of Coffey's life here more than 10 years ago. They're hopeful this latest lead will help solve the mystery surrounding the disappearance of the Lion sisters, but they're fairly certain it won't have a happy ending. In Wheaton, Catherine Couric, Channel 4 News. Everybody wanted to talk with Fred Coffey, but he had been convicted. He was on appeal with his death sentence. He agreed to do an interview pending his lawyer's approval. Surprise, surprise. His lawyer, a law professor, shot that down. Not only did he shoot down an interview with a news reporter, they shot down all approaches by law enforcement. Coffey's death sentence was vacated on appeal. So law enforcement to this day never got to talk with Fred Coffey.
0: 25 years after they disappeared, John and Mary Lyons still had no idea what happened to their daughters.
1: The year 2000 was a very significant time for them. Uh, For 25 years, they could never lose all hope. Something miraculous might come out. They just didn't know, but they couldn't ever be at ease, at peace. They had no place to go to represent Catherine and Sheila. So about 1999 into 2000, the family made a very significant decision, and they established a memorial in a local cemetery in Kensington for Catherine and Sheila, and that gave them a place to go, to reflect, to pray, to be with the girls. They had no place For 25 years and it was absolutely heartbreaking and that gave them I think some solace Uh, you talk about peace of mind closure and all of this stuff there is none it never ends it will never end for them but at least establishment of that memorial in the Kensington Cemetery I think they embraced that and it became a very cherished place for them.
0: Years after police got any substantive leads, the Lion family knew it was possible they'd never know what happened to Kate and Sheila. Police had gone back time and time again, reviewing the few facts they knew about the Lion disappearance. With each anniversary, police had few clues, only a tragic story with no ending until February 11th 2014.
1: This case shocked our community in 1975 and has never been forgotten by the police department or anyone who followed the case 39 years ago. Our cold case squad has been able to identify a man who is currently incarcerated as a convicted child sex offender, and we have established that this man was at Wheaton Plaza on that day and may have had contact with the Lion girls
0: next time on The Investigation Continues. The Investigation Continues is a production of WTOP. You'll find other episodes at WTOP.com, search podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes and Podcast One. Thanks for joining. We'll see you here next week. I'm Neil Orgenstein.